Good morning. Welcome as the church is gathered, uh, not in the sanctuary, but in your homes all around our community. Uh, it is good to come together and to be the church, and uh, you and many others from Generations Community are, are gathered around uh, watching uh, today in the service. Uh, and today is Mother's Day, and so it's kind of a special day. Uh, it's more than kind of a special day. It's a very big special day. Uh, and I, I have no doubt that my own mother, uh, who is in heaven, uh, has received flowers from my dad, who is in heaven, because that was his big thing. Mother's Day was a big deal uh, for him. Uh, he was raised without his biological father, and, and so uh, his mom meant a lot to him, and my mom meant a lot to uh, him and it was it was a big deal for him, but but I also know uh, that Mother's Day is hard for some people. I know that that in our church uh, and and in the community in general, there are some of you who had moms that were not the moms that God intended them to be. Uh, they were abusive or they were absent or. Um, you know, it's just, it's just a hard thing to, to think about mom. Mom wasn't who mom needed to be. Or some of you uh, have longed to become a mom and to hold a baby in your arms. And for whatever reason, that, that hasn't happened. And so mom's day is hard for you too. Or for some of you, you've had, uh, you have a, a chair that's empty around the table. You've lost a child or you've had lost one even before they were born. Uh, and, and so I, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I know this is a Sunday where a lot of times women who've experienced those kinds of things, or even men if they've experienced the abusive mom, uh, will not tune in. They'll skip church. Uh, and so if you're doing that, thank you so much. I, I think you'll f find what I have to say today to be encouraging uh, because I, I want to talk a little bit about motherhood uh, beyond just what it means to have children and to, to raise a family because that's kind of the, uh, the biblical model. Uh, and so as we look to God's word, um, I think you'll be encouraged by uh, what, what it says to you. And we want to start in the beginning. We start, want to start in Genesis uh, chapter 2. I, that's where um, we kind of see what men and women were meant to be before the fall and we got it all messed up and, and all of those sorts of things. And so um, uh, we always look to, to before the fall to where we're going, to what we're working uh, towards. And so uh, Genesis chapter 2, what's happened just to catch up a little bit, 2.18 is actually what we're going to look at uh, today. Uh, God has created Adam and he's put him in the garden and he's got him doing stuff and God kind of looks at it and goes, that's not good. That, that, that's just, that's not good. Uh, we need to do something about that. And so, um, and so here, here's the actual words. He says, uh, Genesis 2.18, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. Okay? So that's, that's the evaluation of the situation. Okay? And then he goes on to say what he's going to do about it. So here's the, the response to that broken situation. I will make a helper suitable for him. Uh, out of which comes woman and, and Eve. And um, one of the things I just always feel compelled to talk about when we come to these sorts of things is that, that word helper. Because when I was growing up, uh, the King James translates it helpmate, helpmeet. Uh, and, uh, and people, preachers, took that to mean uh, less than the man. That somehow women were subordinate uh, to men. 
Um, and, and actually, that's not what the word means at all. The Hebrew word uh, doesn't at all carry the idea of the helper being the subordinate or an apprentice. In fact, this is a word God uses to talk about how he helps us. So at the very least, it would mean equal. Uh, and, and maybe you could make a case for the fact that it means that the helper is like the boss that comes down and helps you or the supervisor or the, the one that helps the parent that helps the child kind of a thing. So um, I just want to make sure that that's really clear. Uh, in, in this text. Um, and so uh, the, the truth of the matter is this, this just really is it's very clear. Men and women are equal. We are created equal. There's not a subordinate uh, in all of that. In fact, uh, the idea, it kind of carries the idea of helper or completer uh, can also be a way of kind of dealing with that word, uh, that, that we complete one another, that we were meant uh, to be together. And so um, what, what I just want to say right off the bat uh, about that is this. Women, God sees you. God sees you. You you are not overlooked by God. You are not second-class citizens. And I know in this modern age, most women feel that much less, uh, you know, but I kind of grew up in a time when, when women were really regarded as kind of second-class citizens, and, and all of their life was about simply, you know, be, having babies and providing a, a, a family, you know. I, I remember I have this very memory <laughs> of, a, of a Tide commercial in the 70s where the, basically the gist of the Tide commercial was is if you use Tide, your children and your husband and your life will be happy, you know, and so it kind of made <laughs> the point of a woman at that point was kind of to do laundry, which is which is silly. Um, and so um, you are not. God, God sees you. He values you. He created you equal. And no matter what a man says to you or how a man treats you, in God's eyes, you are essential workers. You are essential to the kingdom. You are equal uh, to, to the men. And uh, in fact, the, the, the biblical revelation, if you want to look at it, is that, that men without women have a tendency to go astray. We don't do very well. Um, and in fact, the word, the Hebrew word for it, it was not good uh, is not really nearly strong enough in, in English. It, it's, it means it's really bad. It's like it's really not good kind of an uh, expression there. And so it wasn't even like, yeah, well, men will, women will make them, add them better, you know, the man better. It, it's like with, without this, this man-woman kind of thing uh, that, that it's just not going to work at all, that it's crash, it, it's, it's broken. And so uh, Genesis is clear. Men and women were created by God to work in partnership. Say that again. Men and women were created by God to work in partnership. Uh, and that, that plays out in, in marriage, for sure, uh, that, that we are equal partners. We may play different roles, but we are equal partners. Uh, and, and it plays out in, in the world today, uh, women in leadership. And women uh, can work anything that they're, anything you're able to work, you can do. That, that, that's perfectly fine. We're kind of catching on to that. It's hard to believe that in my own lifetime, it didn't, it didn't feel like that. Uh, we believe that, that women can uh, be pastors in, in churches and hold every, other, every role. In fact, I just saw an encouraging statistic recently. Um, in the early days of our denomination, uh, somewhere a little north of 20 to 25% of the pastors were women. Uh, and actually now it's come back to just, just a little over 20 again. So there's a period where it was much, much, much lower than that. And so I'm excited that our denomination supports and encourages women. So... Um, let me say it this way. Uh, women were intentionally created to uniquely reflect God in the world in ways that men cannot. Women were intentionally created to uniquely reflect God 
in the world in ways that men cannot. Uh, and and the, when I think about this, I, I think about mirrors. I don't know if you've ever, you know, you get up in the morning, you kind of look at the mirror. It's scary for me to look at the mirror in the morning, but I, I get, get it, you know. Uh, and, and I just kind of, you know, get whatever's done and go. But, but I, I have noticed that, that some people, when they look at the mirror, they, they want to see the back of their head. They want to see what their hair looks like as well. It's like, I can't see that, so if it's ugly, that, that's on you. you know? but, but for a lot of women, they'll, they'll take another mirror, a second mirror, and they'll, they'll hold it up. You know? Because with one mirror, you can only see one half. But with two mirrors, you can see more. You can see the side, or you can see the back, and you can move it around, and you can do all things. And so uh, two mirrors is exponentially uh, better at revealing something than, than one mirror is. And, and that's very much kind of the idea of, of the woman and the man, that they each uniquely reflect God. And so you see more of God. Certainly there's overlap, and it's the same God. But you see things uh, about God in a woman that you don't necessarily see in the revealing of himself that is a man, and in a man that you don't necessarily see... Uh, in, in a woman. Uh, and so I, for me, that, that illustration has just been helpful to understand how we are unique and you understand more. Uh, and the trouble comes in if one side begins to say, well, I can't see that, so it must not be true, right? Uh, well, that's, that's silliness. It's just not the way it works. And so um, I, I need to probably also just say right here before we get very far down the road, every once in a while, someone will come to me and ask me, is God a man or a woman? And my answer is no. He is neither man nor woman. God is spirit. And God reveals himself through both a man and a, a woman. Each one reflects a, a part of God. And in fact, in many ways, women reflect God better than, than men. Uh, and in fact, in the Bible, um, there, there are a number of passages that often describe God in feminine kinds of terms. Isaiah 66 says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. Okay, so I'm comforting you like a woman comforts someone. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. Isaiah 49. Can a woman forget her nursing child but she should ha that, she should not, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget. So a woman reflects the, the compassion and, and not forgetting their child. The, the God even more than that. So God's even more of a woman in that, that, that particular passage. Or did I conceive all of these people? Did I give birth to them? So again, God is the one giving birth. And there's, just, there's a number of passages like that. And if you ever want to really get into Hebrew, there are actually a, a number of, of kind of verbs and nouns in, in Hebrew that are referring to God that are actually feminine, feminine nouns, feminine verbs, including in Genesis, right at the, the very beginning, uh, there's a, a feminine one there. And so I don't want to go too far into that. Um, and I know people aren't comfortable with the expression pronouns of God as a woman, uh, but, but it, it's, it's, he's neither one. He's neither a man nor a, a woman. He is spirit, and he created uh, men and women. Um, and so um, being a man is, is not more like God <laughs> than being a woman. It's just different. And so, um, since women were created on purpose to uniquely reflect, re reflect the creator of the universe, then mothering and fathering is much bigger than raising children. And this is the point I really want to get at here, okay? The idea of man and woman that could lead to children is before the fall. 
And so this idea of, of relating to the world as a man or as a father and relating to the world as a, as a woman or a mother is, is bigger than just this concept, okay? Uh, in some ways, I, I think science has done us a little bit of a disservice here in that um, in, in the Bible, the, the terms mother and father are relational kinds of terms, right? But today, because we live in a scientific world, they've kind of almost been reduced to biological terms. So a mother is someone who gives birth, a father is someone who participates in that giving her. Uh, 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 in, in creating a baby. And, and I understand why biological wants narrow uh, descriptions of, of terms, but that's just not the case. It's much richer than that in Scripture. And so I'll tell you, I'm trying to move us back to a scriptural understanding. So um, in, in the Bible, uh, mother and father is a way of relating to people, and especially to the younger generation, the ones behind us. Uh, in fact, historically, this has been the case. Most of you know uh, a Catholic priest is called father, right? Uh, and, and they call the church the mother church. And in many ways, we have used that language from time to time. Um, and, and, and a nun that's in a position of leadership is called mother. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, you understand today that adoption makes you a mother or father. Even though it's not biologically, we would absolutely say that if you adopt a child, you are the father, you are the mother. Uh, it's not about biology, it's about relationship. And so I think we need to take back the words mother and father. I, I just do, they're biblical words. A mother has gotten a bad reputation. Oh, she's mothering him, you know, kind of a thing. Or the kind of the, the um, overly controlling mother or the, uh, you know, smothering kind of mother. And in, in TV, we see, you know, some really bad images of that. Uh, and fathers as angry and abusive and all of those sorts of things. I want us to bring back the idea of mother and mothering as a wonderful reflection of God uh, in the world. And, and so uh, the, the biblical model is that you teach the next generation, that you mother them, that you, you father, father them. The, the idea, it talks about men and women, or women to women, and the wisdom and the experience and the rich friendship and the love that can happen when those are healthy relationships. And older men teach the, the younger men. And in fact, we have a fancy psychological uh, terms today. We, we call it mentoring or coaching. Uh, and God has been onto this all the time. You know, things just catch up to where God is. It just biblically, it's like fathering and father and mother. And so um, mothering is how women reflect God to the world around them. It's their way of doing it. Um, and, and so uh, I, I grew up through the 70s. In the 70s, you know, you kind of had the, some things going on about giving women more rights, which was absolutely important. Um, but, but it kind of ended up being like the way a woman could be more like a man was to actually be like a man, right? And, and that, I, that always seemed crazy to me. <laughs> uh, a woman should be a woman and a man should be a man and neither one should be discriminated against. If you can do the work, do the work. You know, that, that's it is. Because a mother relates to things and relates to people different. Um, and so uh, all of my life, and part of it, this is this, I was maybe a little ahead of the curve, but all of my life I've been surrounded by strong women, uh, starting with my mom. Uh, and so I, I'd like to do a little personal reflection here. Um, and so I want to just share with you um, lessons from a fierce but tender mother. Because my mom was a little unique in those days. Uh, and if you've met my mom, uh, most of you haven't, but, but um, some may have. Um, she, she came off as very tender and kind-hearted uh, kind of a soul. Uh, but, but if you got to know her later on, and, and, and the more you got to know her, you would discover that she could be quite fierce. <laughs> she could be really, really, really strong. Um, and so um, 
part of that was she grew up in, in dirt poor after the depression, you know, through the depression and on a farm. And she was the firstborn child. She was supposed to be a boy, but she was a girl. And in fact, then three more girls followed. And so she basically had to get out there and do the work on the farm of a, a boy. Um, and she had to make her own way. She was really smart. She graduated from high school at 16. Uh, and immediately went to work uh, as, as a, a secretary and traveled around southern Missouri uh, as in, a, in a trio with her sister, couple of sisters and, uh, and another person, because uh, one played the piano and then three sang. But, but she, she just was very independent. She, she understood and she was confident. Um, uh, and then a couple of years later as a teenager, she actually uh, got up and moved away from Missouri and moved to Nevada to work for a better job as a secretary, lived with her aunt, her and her sister did that. So just fierce, strong kind of a, a woman. Um, and, and then uh, as time went by, she felt a call into the ministry. She felt like God was calling her to be a nurse uh, and to minister and to be Christ through, uh, through nursing. Um, and this is the, the well, by the, when she was called, probably the 1940s, um, in, in late 1940s. And, and so at that time, uh, most nurses didn't have advanced work. Most nurses were licensed practical nurses. You kind of learned on the job or you took some classes and that kind of a thing. Uh, a few were RNs, uh, and that was pretty good. And very few were Bachelor of Science in Nursing and RN. And in her day, it was a five-year program, five years of college to get through all of that. And women didn't go to college, and, and, and yet she felt called. And so she moved again from Nevada all by herself this time up to, to Nampa, Idaho, arrived not knowing anybody uh, in that situation, and began the, the process of, of becoming a, a BSN or and, uh, and, and she uh, would ne wouldn't visit home again until after the program had been completed. She worked in canning factories in eastern Washington during the summers because she had to pay for it uh, as she went. There was no money from mom or dad or any of that sort of a thing. And so here's this woman in the 19, late 1940s and early 1950s um, who is literally doing this all on her own without support from anybody. She's following what God wants for her. She's going to college. She's doing all of those things. My mom was fierce. <laughs> she was fierce. And when she was after something, she was after something. And that's a godly characteristic of a woman, of a mother. I mean, mothers can be fierce, and that's a good sort of thing, and, and tender at the, the, the same uh, time. And so um, she finally got done with that, and now she's in her uh, mid-20s. Uh, and she is not married. And in the 1950s, that was considered an old maid. It was a big deal. She told me about how she just worried about that. And it was really hard that she wasn't married because everybody was married. Or she knew she was married. You know? and, but she didn't let that stop her. She started on her career and she, she took off. And, and, um, and she started out in labor and delivery. She often says her career kind of followed her life trajectory because she started out in labor and delivery and, and, and then eventually ended up in, in geriatrics. Uh, but but she she uh, took off after that. The, you know um, she she's um, eventually though. So let me back up here. Eventually she she met my dad um, in in her very late twenties, and and finally uh, they got married. Uh, she was thirty years old uh, when she finally got married. Uh, she put my dad through school again. She's fierce. That didn't bother her. Uh, and to my dad's credit, he, he didn't mind at all that she was a strong uh, woman, a fierce woman. Uh, eventually, two kids came along. I was the firstborn. Um, and uh, she took a little time off, not 
She went part-time while we were still uh, young. And then when we were back in school, she went back to full-time. And so her career was kind of started labor delivery. Uh, and then she was a, a floor supervisor uh, in, in hospitals for quite a while in several places. Uh, and, and then, and then uh, once we got old enough for her to go back to work, she began to teach nursing. And she taught nursing for uh, a number of years. And, and, and then she uh, became the director of nurse, nursing services in a, in a large um, uh, long-term care facility. And then eventually the last step in her career was she actually became a regional director of, um, of licensed personnel uh, for a... Um, for a long-term care corporation that had multiple sorts of stuff. And so most of her life, <laughs> she was in charge. Uh, she was a, a leader. And, and the interesting thing is she did not lead like a man. She led like a woman. It was, it was relational. She led like a mother. The, the younger nurses were like family to her. And, and she cared for them and she loved on them. But she also could be, be strict and she would hold them accountable. Uh, she know, knew how to do that. And, and the really interesting part of me is her leadership style. Uh, this fierce uh, woman uh, played out in such a way that, that years later medical people would tell me how much of an influence she had been on them and how much they appreciated her. Uh, even through some really hard times when there were labor strikes and all that kind of thing. And, and, uh, and, and so she just understood she did that. She led like a woman, the, uh, fierce and tender. It wasn't easy. It, it was hard for her. She faced a lot of stuff. In fact, during a certain period of her time, uh, when she kind of moved into upper levels of leadership, she would actually hide her college diploma because people would give her a hard time about that. Why does a woman go to college? Uh, why, you think you're better than all of us. And, and so that, that, was, that was hard uh, for her. Um, but, but here's what she taught me. This, this woman that was uh, fierce and, and tender all at the same time. And, and that's this. Women are way tougher than they look. Have you noticed that, guys? <laughs> Women are way tougher than they, they look. They're just so tough. Uh, and this really kind of came home to me. Most of you know, uh, about a month ago, my daughter um, had her, our first grandchild. And, and, uh, and then you're going through the not sleeping in two hours and the, the, the labor and delivery and all of that. I'm like, I think most guys could not do that. It's just crazy how tough uh, women are. We, we think, men think because we're physically stronger, we're tougher. I'm not sure that's the case. I, I think women are maybe tougher than guys. Um, and so mom continued to, to use that in all kinds of ways. In fact, she used her medical expertise uh, in, in churches and in ministry to others. Uh, many, many people, uh, going, especially in Grace Harbor where there was a lot of poverty, uh, people in our church and people in other people, uh, wouldn't be able to afford uh, the, the medical care they needed. And so she kind of became the default person. Uh, in fact, a couple of our pastors when I was growing up had to have uh, medications that required a shot. Uh, they couldn't afford all that, so they bought the medicine. And my mom gave them shots, you know. And, and mothers would call in the middle of the night worried about their baby, but they couldn't afford to go to the doctor. And, and she would answer those calls, and she would check up on the babies and, and do all of that stuff. And I remember she always had at home, you know, blood pressure cuff and, and a stethoscope and, and a bunch of supplies because she never knew when someone uh, would call on her. And so she used that uh, all, all, all of the time. And she, she taught a lot of, of people about medicine and those sorts of things. Uh, she was fierce and tender. And, and sometimes that was actually awkward. And so just, just for a minute here, um, just so you understand what I'm saying about the fierce part. Um, in, in the 1950s and even into the 60s, 
and 70s, and maybe even sometimes today, uh, people, especially religious people, did not talk about our bodies very much, and especially parts of it that we might find a, a little embarrassing. And, and so my mother, being a nurse, um, went through a couple of times where she uh, experienced a really nice church girl uh, that absolutely panicked uh, when they had their first menstrual cycle because no one had told them about that. Uh, and so just a little insight into my mom, having grown up very Nazarene, very conservative, all of that sort of a thing, but very medical. Uh, one of her, her things in life was that she was determined to educate young Christian women about their bodies. And she was forever pulling those aside that would get, be getting close to puberty and kind of talking to them about that. And she was fierce. And some people didn't like that, but she just kind of went ahead with it anyway because she just knew the devastation of, of finding out that that you know you have a menstrual cycle and you don't know what's happening you think you're dying and terrifying kids uh and so uh, that's this fierce that, that was the mama bear in her that was coming out she was protective of of those around her and she didn't mother just my sister and I she mothered everyone she came in contact with and, and a part of that honestly she is nosy have you ever noticed that mothers are nosy what are you doing I'm not doing nothing, you know. Uh, they ask all kinds of questions about it. She was like that with all kinds of people. Really good mothers are nosy like that. And I can remember her best friend, Kathy Falgren, who was also an, a nurse. We spent a lot of time back and forth. Kathy would ask me all kinds of nosy questions. And now I've got other uh, relatives that are, that are in nursing and medicine and all of that. And they still ask nosy questions. In fact, it's kind of hard sometimes when people first come into our family because we're like an open book. And that's just because there's been so much mothering, especially through nursing, in, in my, my larger uh, family. And honestly, she inspired many to go into nursing and become a part of it. She encouraged a number of them over the years to get involved and to make nursing not only just a job, but a, a career. Uh, and so um, this is what I believe. Godly mothering is a special blend of tough and tender. Tough and tender. And, and I think godly women uh, that are uh, emotionally and spiritually mature tend to be tough and tender. And they they kind of hold that to be, together. Uh, they, they care deeply about people's well-being, sometimes in a way that men are not as good at, you know. I think some men are, and, you know, there's characteristics that cross over. But, uh, but, but there's just something about you ladies that you, you, you are tough and, and you are tender uh, and, and it's, it's important, and, and this was important for my mom even, even later on when um, in the early years of school when I was failing as a student. I was a behavior problem. They were channeling me into special education. I didn't think I was very smart, you know. That can still be debated, but, but she, she was so determined to, to, to take care of me and make sure I got the best care, uh, and she couldn't get him out that she actually made Dad move to the, another city and another school district uh, for me uh, to be able to get what I needed. Uh, and she watched out for me. She was tough, but tender. She never broke relationship with the people in the other school district, but, but she just insisted and, and made Dad move. Um, she gently but fiercely insists on uh, change to make things better. And so um, today we honor and say thank you to all the women who mother us. I, I just personally I want to say thank you to that. And as I reflect over my life, there have been a lot of women that have mothered me. I had growing up in the church. When I grew up in a little church uh, in the 60s and 70s, and, and every woman in that church was my mother, especially because I was a little rambunctious. Um, and, and, you know, at the time you think, oh, man, uh, but, but I want to tell you that women, whether you have children or not, 
your mothering, your, your way of relating to the world, your way of reflecting God that is unique to women is essential to the health of, of your families, to the health of the church, to the health of the world. Based on Genesis, it doesn't work well when it's just, just the man. Uh, and so you watch out for us, you correct us, uh, often with way more tenderness than, than we deserve. You guide us with wisdom. You serve the ones you love uh, with inhuman strength and endurance. It just amazes me what, what you can do. Uh, you all are fierce, fierce. So every guy, I want you to look at the women in your life and say, you're fierce, yeah, right now, you're fierce, you're tough and tender. Tell them they're tough and tender. Uh, and tell them thank you for their mothering. Uh, whether they've had children yet or never going to have children or whatever that looks like, it's about being a woman uh, as much as being a parent. Um, and honestly, women tend to hold together toughness and tenderness, fierceness and gentleness in ways that, that men simply uh, don't. And so uh, my, my prayer for you today is that God would give us fierce women to show us what God is like. That this Mother's Day, that we would celebrate the women in our lives uh, who are fierce because you reflect God. You are tender and you are fierce and you are loving and you are strong. And we need more of that in the body of Christ and in our families. We need strong, godly men too. We'll talk about that on Father's Day. Uh, but, but today is Mother's Day. And we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all uh, of the women uh, that are a part of our church. And you can do anything God has called and equipped you to do. You really, really can. Uh, so thank you, thank you. Thank you to all of the women. Uh, so let me pray uh, for us, and then I'll, I'll come back and, and we'll worship the Lord with giving. Father God, thank you for my mom. Lord, what a godly example she was to me. Thank you, Father, for all of the women that, that have mothered me over the years, and some of them that still do today. Lord, that, that keep me on track. Father, I, I really, um, at this stage in life, really see that that we need each other, Father, that it's better when men and women work together as equals, Father, that, that fathering is certainly a unique reflection of you, but that mothering is equally a unique reflection of you. And so I pray for all of the women, Father, today, that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, and, and Father, that you would uh, lift them up in, in these days, Father, that they would know that God sees them uh, and God is working in their life and, and God uh, has a plan and that God's got them, Father. We just thank you and we praise you and we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.